0: Welcome, you're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts.
1: Hello, I'm Marina Yevshan, co-host of the Russia-Ukraine War Report podcast, and today is January the 17th, 2024. It's been 3,643 days since Russia's illegal occupation of Crimea on January 27, 2014, and one year and 328 days since Russia expanded its war of aggression against Ukraine. Today's podcast looks at events that happened yesterday. During the podcast, you can use a Russia-Ukraine war map to help you visualize the areas discussed. And there is a link in the podcast description. It will be helpful in today's podcast because there was fighting in several settlements with the same names. The Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from our direct contacts and journalists in Ukraine, the Russian Ministry of Defense and the Ukrainian General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine morning reports, operational commands north, south and east of Ukraine, open-source intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geospatial experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian male bloggers and social media channels with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission – the truth. Because the truth matters. Let's start with a daily assessment. There are no changes from yesterday, so if you want to skip ahead, you won't hurt my feelings, because I won't even know. 1. Due to the shootdown of a Russian A-50U AWACS aircraft, we assess there is an increased risk of so-called punitive missile strikes against Ukraine, targeting civilians and civilian infrastructure, over the next 24 hours. 2. The Russian fall-winter offensive of 2023, which started on October 6, has culminated without achieving any operational or strategic goals. 3. We maintain it is unlikely that the United States will provide additional military or financial aid to Ukraine in 2024. 4. The continued impulse in the United States Congress to provide additional military aid to Ukraine and the passive response to Russian kinetic and hybrid aggression, is contributing to Russia's expanding access with North Korea and Iran and global hybrid warfare. 5. We maintain the armed forces of Ukraine are facing critical ammunition shortages that are directly impacting the ability to maintain existing defensive lines. 6. We maintain that Ukrainian forces no longer have the combat potential to engage in any offensive operations, and Russian troops are capable of additional tactical success and achieving limited operational goals. 7. The reduction in Ukrainian combat potential is a direct result of blocked aid from the United States and the European Union. 8. Russian forces have established an operational objective to capture Chasiv Yar, west of Bakhmut. 9. Russian commanders have put mission objectives over all other considerations and are committed to capturing the FDF salient regardless of the cost, and are maintaining a force of at least 40,000 troops. 10. We maintain that combat that closely resembles World War I trench warfare versus 21st century combined arms maneuver warfare will continue through meteorological winter, which ends on February 29th. 11. While the possibility of an intentional nuclear accident caused by Russian occupiers at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant remains low, the threat should be taken seriously. We are very troubled by the latest report from the International Atomic Energy Agency and the lack of international attention. We begin in Kharkiv and Luhansk. In the Kupiansk area of operation, or AO, in Kharkiv region, Russian sources reported that Ukrainian troops were on the offensive north of Sinkivka. Russian mercenary War Wargonzo reported that Russian troops tried to advance southwest of Pershotravneva and were unsuccessful. The city of Kharkiv was hit by two S 300 anti aircraft missiles used for a ground attack or North Korean sourced kn 23 short range ballistic missiles. The city center was struck, a three-story apartment building being destroyed. Seventeen people were wounded, with one in critical condition. At the time of publication, search and rescue operations were ongoing. Ukrainian officials announced the mandatory evacuation of over 3,000 people, including 279 children, in the settlements of Kurilivka and Kivsharivka. The settlements have been under an order of evacuation since 2023, but many did not heed the request. Both settlements have been subject to numerous artillery strikes. Northwest of Kremlinna in Luhansk oblast, Russian forces continued offensive operations east of Makivka. Significant fighting continued east of Terny, Yanpolivka and Terske, along the administrative border of Donetsk and Luhansk oblasts. Armod reported that Ukrainian forces were on the offensive south of Dubrova. A geolocated video showed a Russian tank on the western edge of the settlement destroyed by drone-directed artillery. The tank commander failed to earn a promotion to cosmonaut. We link to the video in our daily situation report, and there is more information in the podcast description. In the Lisechanskoyeo, fighting continued east of Bilohorivka, with no change in the situation. Next, let's talk about the Donbass, and it is time to open up the war map. In the Siverskyo, the Russian Ministry of Defense, or Armored, reported fighting continued near Vasele. There has been no change in the situation. In the Bakhmutkyo, Armod reported fighting in the area of Bogdanovka, while the General Staff of the armed Forces of Ukraine reported fighting continued east of Ivanivske. On January 15 in the Klescheivka AO, Russian forces launched a significant attack northwest of Klescheivka, with up to a company of motor infantry supported by tanks. Drone video showed Russian forces suffered heavy losses and were forced to retreat to poorly constructed defensive positions, where Ukrainian drones and mortars continued to attack them. Fighting also continued east of Andreevka, with no change in the situation. Ukrainian forces continued to hold their defensive lines in southwest Donetsk and inflicted heavy losses north of Avdivka. On the north flank of the Avdivka AO, Russian forces continued attempts to advance along the railroad grade southeast of Novobachmutevka and east of Stepove, without success. North of Avdivka, Russian troops attempted a three-pronged offensive from southeast of the Tarakan, the dam northeast of Dachas and east of Vesele. That's a small village on the southern flank of the Krasnogorivka plateau. The attack involved up to a battalion of troops, with the main thrust coming from Novoselivka-Druha. Russian forces suffered catastrophic losses, with a company of mechanized infantry destroyed before reaching the eastern edge of Vesela. All of the attacks were repulsed, and based on the new open-source intelligence, we adjusted the line of conflict or lock, North into the village of Vesele, due to it being unoccupied. The gray area was unchanged. Ukrainian white helmets evacuated five people from Avdivka, some as close as 500 meters to the forwardmost line of friendly troops. The evacuations reconfirm that the ground lines of communication, that's, Gilok supply lines, into Avdivka remain stable. On the southern flank, there was only positional fighting in the areas of Pervomayska and Nevalska. In the Marienka area, Russian forces advanced in the direction of Krasnohorivka from Marienka, occupying the mineshaft complex. This area has been contested for a year with control switching between the combatants. This is a different Krasnohorivka from the one near Avdiivka. Fighting continued east of Georgievka and on the southern edge of Marienka in the direction of Pobeda. There has been no change in the situation. In the Vogledario, Russian troops, supported by the Aerospace Forces, or VKS, launched 16 separate attacks on Nova Mykhailivka without success. Ukrainian sources reported that Russia has shifted its attacks further south, trying to advance from Solotke in the direction of Vodiane. That's the one close to Vogledark. Armod also reported fighting was ongoing in the area of Volodymyrivka, southwest of Solotka. In our assessment, these are probing attacks, looking for weak spots in the Ukrainian defensive lines. In Zaporizhia, light fighting continued in the Orichy Ukrainian and Russian sources reported that a Russian offensive west of Verbove failed. A prominent Russian mail blogger reported positional fighting continued south of Robotyne. The International Atomic Energy Agency, or IAEA, provided an update on the status of the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. Inspectors were granted access to Reactor 6 after last week's refusal. While the IAEA team was present, Russian occupiers transferred the operation of cooling pumps for the spent fuel pond from one safety circuit to another. Inspectors were also granted access to parts of Turbine Hall 6, but remain blocked from seeing all areas. During a walkthrough of the safety room, the team noted boric acid leaks continued in three areas. Boric acid is added to the primary cooling sockets as an additional safety measure. Next up – the Hersonio. Fighting continued in the forests south of Krynke, with Ukrainian forces repelling six Russian attacks. Fighting also continued near Pescianivka. Russian blogger Vladislav Ugolny reported that Russian troops are stranded on the contested islands in the Dnipro River due to ice. Quote, the Dnipro River suddenly froze. The ice is very thin. You can't walk on it, but boats don't float anymore. The leadership of the Dnipro group did not react. And we now have troops on these islands without transportation, rotation and evacuation. I quote my friend. The Marines decided to take one wounded from the island and they had to carry the boat across the ice right to the middle of the river. There are no provisions and in such cold the trenches is fucked. Everyone there will have to be sent straight to the hospital for treatment. Quick assessment. The last statement indicates that cold weather injuries, such as frostbite, are widespread among Russian troops. In Borislav, the Russian VKS bombed a point of invincibility, damaging nearby residential buildings. No one was injured in the attack. Here is the update for the Russian front. In the Belgorod region, two Ukrainian drones were shot down, with damage reported to residential buildings and area power outages caused by falling debris. The news agency Moscow Times reported that 43 of the 85 districts in Russia are suffering from the loss of heat, electricity, water, sewer or a combination. A report in 2021 concluded that the civil infrastructure in Russia, mostly built during the Soviet era, was reaching the end of its useful life. Despite the known issues, Russia's move to a war economy resulted in a 50% reduction in the federal budget from 2024 to 2026 to service utility infrastructure. We haven't talked about the potato kingdom of Belarus in a long time. In another sign that the Russian fall-winter offensive has culminated, Belarus felt it was important to remind the world they now have access to nuclear weapons. The Ministry of Defense Viktor Khrenin stated that nuclear weapons policy has been added to their military doctrine. Moscow has said it will retain control of the tactical nuclear weapons, which are intended for battlefield use and are not strategic for strike weapons. With the Russian Ministry of Defense retaining the codes for the warheads and bombs, Belarus has a fancy collection of glowing paperweights. Let's talk about theater-wide events, and there is a lot to cover. We can't get to all of it in the podcast, but you can try out a free trial of our Patreon and gain free access to today's situation report. On January 16th, 17th, Russia launched 20 Shahid-136 one-way drones at Ukraine, with 19 shot down. Since January 1st, Russia has used 140 Shahids, a significant reduction from last month. At least one Shahid struck a residential building in Odessa. Over 130 people were displaced from their homes, and three were wounded. Citing anonymous sources, Russian-owned news agency Bloomberg reported that U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan would tell President of Ukraine Volodymyr Zelensky to give up on offensive operations and move to the defensive. President Zelensky has repeatedly rejected calls for a territory for peace deal. Speaking to the mayors of Russian cities, Russian President Vlad the Putin said that Ukraine's peace formula is unviable. If Kyiv had not withdrawn from negotiations in 2022, the war in Ukraine would have ended long ago. My assessment through clenched teeth. Deep breath, Marina. I am not going to let Putin rewrite history. After the retreat from Kyiv, Chernihiv, Sumy and Kharkiv in March 2022, Russia rejected negotiations, maintaining its unyielding stance. From April to mid-May, Russian troops killed between 25,000 and 100,000 in Mariupol and continued to threaten Odessa with a naval landing, while the world was horrified by the Bucha massacre. By April 10, military operations to capture all of Luhansk and Donetsk regions were in full swing, with Russian forces destroying the settlements and cities of Popasna, Rubizhne, Severodonetsk, Lysychansk and Izum, while wiping dozens of villages off the map. There was no desire from Moscow to negotiate peace in 2022. Or in 2014. Or ever. Moving on. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Russia criticized ongoing meetings about the Ukrainian peace plan in Davos, Switzerland. A truly comprehensive, fair and sustainable peace settlement is only possible by returning Ukraine to the origins of its statehood, a neutral, non-aligned and nuclear-free status with full respect for the rights and freedoms of citizens of all nationalities living on its territory. I have a feeling I can't let go. Are they describing pre-war Ukraine? Let me remind the world, our neutrality and nuclear-free status failed to prevent Russian brutal invasion. And yes, a peace that requires Ukraine to be a rum state to Moscow like Belarus is definitely coming from a willingness to negotiate. BBC Moscow reporter Steve Rosenberg shared a picture on January 14th of an electronic billboard in Moscow with a picture of President Putin and the caption, Russia's borders do not end anywhere. We'll link to the picture in our daily situation report. As Vlad says, all we want is peace. Peace. P-I-E-C-E. A little piece of Ukraine, a little piece of Moldova, a little piece of Latvia, a sliver of Poland, a nice slice of Estonia, a piece of Lithuania. And even thus they are lying, because pieces are not enough, they want it all. Retired US General Ben Hodges said that Russia has no interest in negotiations. He doesn't have to worry about what the Russians think, because he's not involved in any legitimate elections. He doesn't have to worry about the media challenging him. I think he knows that his political future is tied to the success of the fight against Ukraine. So he will spend as many Russian lives as it takes to do whatever he needs. The United Nations will provide Ukraine with $4.2 billion in humanitarian aid in 2024. The aid will be distributed to up to 8.5 million people in free Ukraine and another 2.3 million to those who are living abroad. Pressure is building on the United States to provide Ukraine with additional military aid, with a growing list of world leaders indirectly calling out Washington. The Minister of Foreign Affairs of Ukraine, Dmytro Kuleba, told the US news agency ABC News that time is running out for Congress to vote for additional military aid for Ukraine. Quote, if the West is not able to stop Russia in Ukraine, who else is it able to stop in other parts of the world? Even if we run out of weapons, we will fight with shovels, because what is at stake here for Ukraine is the existence of this nation. Unquote. President of the European Commission Ursula von der Leyen called for additional military support, Quote, Ukraine can prevail in this war, but we must continue to empower their resistance. They need a sufficient and sustained supply of weapons to defend Ukraine and regain its rightful territory, Unquote. Minister of Defense of the United Kingdom, Grant Sharps, said that the Western world must move to a pre-war state. Speaking at Lancaster House, the minister said, We find ourselves at the dawn of a new era. The Berlin Wall a distant memory, and we have come full circle, moving from a post-war to a pre-war world. An age of idealism has been replaced by a period of hard-headed realism. We stand at this crossroads, whether to surrender to a sea of troubles or do everything we can to deter the danger. I believe that in reality, it's no choice at all. To guarantee our freedoms, we must be prepared. Unquote.
0: You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News.
1: President of France Emmanuel Macron announced that Paris would provide another 40 scalp cruise missiles and hundreds of bombs to Ukraine. He added that he would visit Kiev in February and would sign a new security guarantee agreement similar to the one completed by the UK. The first two Leopard 2A4 main battle tanks of 14 that Denmark and Netherlands purchased last year have been restored and are ready to be sent to Ukraine. The Ministry of Defense of the Netherlands said that, based on the current schedule, the remaining 12 will be ready by summer. Latvia is working on building a coalition with 20 nations to provide Ukraine with thousands of drones in 2024. The Ministry of Defense of Bulgaria reported that the majority of its military-industrial production is being sent to Ukraine, with arms manufacturers working, quote, practically 24-7. Chancellor of Germany Olaf Scholz told US President Joe Biden that his nation will provide Ukraine with more than 7 billion euros of military assistance in 2024. The British news agency Financial Times reported that Scholz has called for the EU to audit previously promised military aid to Ukraine to verify that deadlines and contracts are being met. Many weapon systems have equipment and commitments to provide ammunition in 2023 are still unfulfilled. Scholz also called the volumes of supplies to Ukraine planned for 2024 too small and called for the EU to further increase assistance. Also in Germany, the CDU-CSU faction will submit a proposal to the Bundestag to hold a roll call vote to provide Ukraine with Taurus cruise missiles. Similar to the British Storm Shadow and the French Scalp, the Taurus has a range of over 500 kilometers. Speaking at the World Economic Forum, U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said the White House was continuing to work on establishing congressional support for additional aid to Ukraine. He added that the U.S. was, quote, building up our own military-industrial base and depriving Russia of access to critical resources, unquote. Speaking with U.S. news agency CNBC, Secretary of State Blinken appealed for the deadlock in Congress to be resolved. Quote Look, there is no magic pot of money. If we don't get this money, it will be a real problem. This is a real problem for Ukraine. I think this is a problem for us and for our leadership position in the world. Unquote. President Biden will host a meeting with the Speaker of the House, the congressional minority leader, and the majority and minority leaders of the Senate today. The office of Speaker Mike Johnson confirmed that he will attend. The meeting will be about funding the U.S. government, which is facing a shutdown on January the 20th, military aid to Ukraine, Taiwan and Israel, humanitarian aid to Palestinians, and a U.S. border security package. What's happening in the land of Mobik's mobilization and Mir? Russian colonel Sergey Volkov was sentenced to six years in prison for the authorization to produce and purchase aerial anti-drone systems to protect the Crimean bridge. There was one problem – the systems did not work at all, and Volkov reportedly covered up the field test results. Last week, when we reported the mayor of St. Petersburg told wounded Russian soldiers that they were fighting in Ukraine due to unisex bathrooms, we thought it was an ill-placed comment. It turns out it is an official Russian hybrid warfare talking point, almost certainly targeted at the United States. President Putin said that many Russians who went abroad are now returning because they find it, quote, Difficult for people with traditional values to live and raise their children in Western countries. He then repeated the talking point of common bathrooms for boys and girls. 28 million Russians are still using outhouses. Do they have separate male and female outhouses in Russia? There was far too much activity to cover in detail about Putin's purge. Police investigated Russian presidential hopeful and anti-war activist Ekaterina Dunsova after her car broke down. Local officials claimed she was stopped in an area where drug dealers operate. Drug dealers who follow traditional Russian values and only use gendered bathrooms. She was forced to take a drug test and was released when it came back negative. After spending 25 days in jail, rapper Nikolai Vasiliev passed a second physical at the military commissariat. The rapper was jailed due to his actions at last year's Naked Party and was previously declared unfit for service due to psoriasis. In Bashkortostan, over 5,000 people gathered in protest to support political activist Fail Alsinov. Alsinov has been charged with inciting hatred or enmity. After the protest, the Federal Security Service of Russia, or FSB, made dozens of arrests. Kazakhstan officials detained Russian journalist Evgenia Baltatarova as she attempted to board a flight to France. Baltatarova is a dual passport holder and was charged in absentia for spreading fake news about the Russian Federation armed forces. Russia issued an arrest warrant, and Kazakhstan is preparing to deport her. Former FSB investigator Alexey Kolbov volunteered to join the Russian military after being imprisoned for extorting over $1 million in Bitcoin from the former head of Russian state media agency Izvestia. Last week, Kolbov was killed in action in Ukraine. Former chairperson of the Russian Red Cross, 75-year-old Reisa Lukutsova, was found dead in her Moscow apartment. Serving as the head of the Russian branch of the International Relief Agency from 2006 to 2021, Lukutsova was convicted in 2022 for attempted fraud. President of the Biographical Institute and pro-Putin activist Olga Zunovieva demanded that the investigative committee and the State Duma check the Institute of Philosophy of the Russian Academy of Sciences for quote, scoundrels, traitors, foreign agents, defectors, russophobes, and extremists. Unquote. She called for employees to be questioned using lie detectors and subject the Institute to, quote, real denazification. We we'll link to her speech with English subtitles in our Situation Report. Finally, let's talk about geopolitics and economics. The Polish government reached an agreement with motor carriers to end the blockade at all Ukrainian border checkpoints through March 1. At the time of publication, all border crossings were open. The Ministry of Agriculture of Romania and Farm Representatives also reached an agreement that cleared two border crossings that were blocked for the last six days. After gaining enough signatures to strip Hungary of its voting rights in the European Parliament, a vote will be held on January the 18th. After meeting with the Prime Minister of Hungary Viktor Orban, Slovak Prime Minister Robert Fico said that his nation supports Hungary's effort to block 50 billion euros in aid to Ukraine and hinted that his country might move to block the February first vote to release up to 12.5 billion euros of aid to Kyiv. After winning the U.S.-Iowa caucus, former president and presidential candidate Donald Trump acknowledged Russian war crimes during a rambling speech. Quote, now you have all these deaths far greater than people think, numbers far greater than anyone could even imagine. You will know this in the coming years when they demolish these huge buildings in Ukraine. There, under the rubble, there are still thousands of people. It's so sad. Unquote. The Caspian Pipeline Consortium announced it suspended all oil shipments to Novorossiysk in Krasnodar Krai because of poor weather, port closures and a lack of storage capacity. Russian oil tankers bound for India have to transit the Suez Canal and the Red Sea. Because the tankers are part of a blockade-running shadow fleet, they sail with their transponders off, with many vessels transiting the Red Sea with transponders off or with fake ADs, Houthi rebels accidentally attacked two Russian tankers, one on December 23rd and the second on January 12th. Take all the time you need. Total Energies, owned by France, China and Japan, is exiting the Russian Arctic LNG-2 project due to new sanctions enacted in November 2023. One of Russia's largest oil refineries, Lukoil-Norsi, has had its ability to produce Ron AI-95 and AI-98 gasoline cut in half due to equipment failure. Lukoil has already self-suspended foreign exports and asked other refiners to increase production of AI-95 by 200,000 metric tons a day through February. And that's what we know. Your support of my home, Ukraine, helps us make history and protect the future for all. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast.
0: To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.